Anthony Joshua is back. Before the fight, we thought it was possibly a 50-50 fight and that Darren was the best thing since sliced bread. As the curtain fell in Saudi Arabia, AJ walked back into the limelight like a new man, a man reborn. AJ enabled beast mode. I'm your host, The Sniper, and you're listening to The Sniper's Club. We've got the Night Watchman with us today, and we're going to be looking at the aftermath of what happened in Saudi Arabia last night, with a star-studded card and lots of hype surrounding the entire event. What? How was it? Was it a successful night? Did they recapture some of the feeling that uh, occurred in the in the rumble in the jungle, or was it all a bit of a damp squib? Welcome, Night Watchman. How are you doing? I'm very well, Sniper. How are you? Good, thanks. Good, thanks. Uh, did you enjoy last night? Um, yeah, it was all right. I felt it was a little bit um, lacking. It didn't quite have the magic I was expecting it to last night, but there were some really good performances that we can all talk about, I guess. Yeah. For me, I think it was a little bit of a damp squib. It was overhyped. The zombie video on Dazen was absolutely awesome. I think that was the highlight for me. And it just felt like the Saudis were trying to splash as much cash as they could to try and take over boxing. And, you know, everyone with not so much money in the Western world lapped it up. Everyone was on a payday. Everyone just went in there to try and, you know, earn an honest buck. But, you know, if you look at football as well and what's happened there, they bought out Newcastle United. They've got interest in many, many different sports all over the world now. But what we're doing is we're selling our souls to the devil and we're losing the atmosphere. We're losing the fan camaraderie, if you like. There isn't a festival atmosphere. It's all a bit staged. And personally, I'd rather see, you know, AJ fight at the O2. Uh, yeah, I completely agree with you there. I thought that um, there were no real fans in the audience. Uh, you could hear the punches land. I thought that was dreadful. Um, you know, if you're in Vegas, or you're, if, like you said, if you're at the O2, if you're at the Millennium Stadium, there's a big, raucous crowd. Everyone's kind of having it. I guess they're all a little bit drunk as well, which I think probably adds to the atmosphere. It gets the blood flowing and kind of really gets them going. But last night, everyone was kind of stood there, kind of looking very disinterested. The arena seemed very small. I mean, it was all very nice and very dazzling, but I agree with you. The video was all it was about. But no, I want my. I don't want to hear that. No matter how hard the punches are, I want to hear them get drowned out by the crowd screaming ooh and ah and screaming and scratching. But yeah. yeah, it's all about cash, isn't it? It's all in every sport they've taken over, whether it's golf, whether it's boxing, whether it's football. There's just nothing there, and it's all about the guys getting paid. And I think that's a real shame. I mean, that's what they're there for. And you're not going to turn down the cash and neither am I, but it's just a shame that it's all being sucked out by a load of passionless fans who are just paying yeah. for it because they can. Um, it's just the state of sport in general, really. I think money has gotten too much. Uh, yeah, and it's, that's what it's all about, really. And it's kind of sad, really. Everyone's gasping towards this. Cristiano Ronaldo is the personification of that. They were more interested in him in the crowd rent a celeb than a lot of the boxers you know well he was the only one there wasn't he like you know i'm sure there are a couple of other footballers there but they didn't really focus on when you're watching a fight in vegas and whatnot they go through all the movie stars they go through all the american football players they go through all the musicians and all that and like you know there's everyone wants to be there i don't think anyone wants to fly to saudi arabia for these fights like it's just it 
the whole sport washing thing is a huge aspect. Uh, people don't want to be seen to be supporting supporting it. Um, and yeah, I was just I, I fear that boxing might die in a pile of cash if this continues to happen, and other sports too, really. Um, but uh, we're here talking about boxing right now, and I think that Saudi Arabia did them a huge disservice, uh, which was a real shame, especially with how packed that card was. I mean, it was full of mismatches in the end and whatnot, but ultimately it was an exciting card. The video was great, and it had some really, really big names in it. But what the hell happened? What a shame. Yeah. I hope maybe... Was a step up before Usyk and Fury. Maybe there'll be a bit more going on with that, but to be honest, I doubt it. Now, have you ever been to Madison Square Garden? I haven't personally. No. Oh man, it's a total dream. It's a total dream. I'd love to go to Madison Square Garden. That's kind of like it's. Even though it's not quite the place that boxing once was. I mean, most of the big fights go to Vegas. It's a bit like Monte Carlo as well. Like yeah. there used to be massive fights in these places, but they still had the atmosphere. People still yeah. wanted to go to them. Yeah, and those huge nights with Don King, you know, promoting every important boxer in the world. Now you've got Eddie Hearn, you know. I personally I prefer Barry Hearn, but Eddie Hearn's trying to be a, you know, as much of a showman as he can, you know. But... I, personally, I actually quite find Eddie Hearn quite amusing. He does entertain me somewhat. He's not quite Don King, yes, I know, but the Don King was a one-off. I think he was a massive personality personified by his hair and his gold and the way he used to go about things. But he was a terrible businessman and bad for boxing. I mean, he, I doubt you'll find any fighter that's fought around him that has anything good to say about him. Yeah. And people like, you know, Frank Warren, who was part of last night and whatnot. I mean, he's just kind of like fading into the distance for a bit. But old school, you've got people like Bob Arum, who you never really see. He's a quiet lad. Um, it's all about the fighters. It shouldn't be about the managers all that much. But... So, Eddie Hearn, yeah, he is trying to make himself as big as the fighters and he's trying to promote his own name, but at least he's funny sometimes, you know? Yeah. So, let's get into the action. This is the aftermath. Um, is AJ back? From, from my perspective, he fought a guy that he was well aware of, okay? He looked full of confidence. And after the fight, Eddie Hearn was, was saying that people had been saying that AJ had lost the ability over the last two years to let his hands go and that he was just far too cautious. I think in our preview, that's the sort of route that I took when we spoke. I was saying there is no knockout punch. He's, he's treading on eggshells. He's got a new training team now. He's got a new head coach and he looks like a man reborn. But there was no unknown unknown. When you look at his fight with Ruiz, he didn't know anything about Ruiz, so he got caught off guard. Is AJ actually back, Night Watchman? I think we shouldn't get too carried away with AJ. I mean, last night he had a few choice select blows, but it wasn't particularly the most exciting of fights. I also thought Wallen didn't really come in all that well either. He, I, having watched him in his previous fights, Wallen has swung, he's kind of moved his head, he's been around. Last night he looked like a chump. I was embarrassed for him last night. I don't know if the... I don't know if the event sort of got to him or if he just kind of didn't really have it in him or if he's got something going on outside of the ring. But right. he didn't move his head. He didn't try that hard. I mean, AJ got him with a few choice shots. He AJ dismantled back. him. He dismantled him. 
it, not really. I mean, for the first two rounds, there was nothing really going on. And then at the end, Wallen just walked back to his corner as if he'd given up. Yeah, I because... thought that AJ, he looked better than he had done. But I think if you stick him up against a better opposition, AJ might have to work for it a little bit harder. And you might find the timid little boy that we found previously that we were talking about in the last fight. Ultimately, AJ looked good, but Wallen let himself down, I think. He's been waiting since the Fury fight, really. I think he's been waiting for an opportunity. Last night was his opportunity, and he didn't try to take it. He didn't have one hand on it, let alone both. AJ planted his, his right foot right in the in the center of the ring, if you watch the fight. He controlled the space. He controlled the timing. He controlled what was happening in there. And you could tell. Eddie Hearn was saying after the fight as well that, you know, he went up to the trainers, and the trainers within sort of four or five rounds said, this is over. This is the man we're training. Look at how well we're doing now. And, you know, this he's he's gonna he's gonna have a new lease of life at 31 years age, 31 years of age. This is the well, start of his be. legacy, you know? Well, let's hope so. Maybe this could be the stage two of AJ's career, but I think we should just be cautious. I don't think he fought anyone who I didn't think he fought the guy who was expecting to fight last night. I think he fought a lot less. The new training team might be doing it for him. I mean, personally, I think if you stick Frankie Dettori in an old nag, it doesn't put, make him the rock of Gibraltar. And stick him in, in a low-rate race isn't just going to make him look good. AJ fought well last night. But like I said, let's just not get too carried away. Okay, fair enough. So it's Christmas Eve as we're recording this podcast, guys. And one of our favourite fighters, the Gypsy Kings, probably on the Mint Spies. And, you know, the red wine and the beers and God knows what else he's doing. I'm not going to say it on the podcast. What do you think last night has done to Tyson Fury's reputation? Because there's a strong form line there. He's fought he's fought uh, Wallin, who cut him. He's fought Wilder twice. And Wallin, and Wilder was found out quite comprehensively last night. And it looks like Wilder AJ is almost certainly off now. So... Where does this leave Tyson Fury? Well, with Fury, I think, like I was saying about Wallen, I think Wallen turned up to fight Fury. I don't think he turned up last night to fight AJ. Um, Wilder, I think that Wilder was absolutely dreadful last night. I mean, Wilder, there was nothing wild about it. It was timid. What an absolute horror show that was. And that's not to take anything away from Joe Parker. Joe Parker fought the perfect fight. He knew the dangers. He made the effort to do it, uh, get away from it. He threw some good punches himself. I mean, he rocked um, Wilder at one point. He was on jelly legs and he was all over the place. But I don't, I think they were two different fighters. I mean, Wilder's had one round in two years against Robert Hellenius, who stood there to be hit. And I think that probably count against him. I mean, we were all shocked last night that Wilder didn't try. But the fight, Wilder fought two different fighters. He fought a different Wilder and he fought a different Wallin. And Garnu, everyone's kind of having questions about Fury about that, but it was a sparring match, which he didn't take seriously. And you can see by that, when he got knocked down, he got up and he congratulated Nagano. No, right. I mean, if he's fighting Klitschko or he's fighting Wilder, he gets up and he gets back meaner. I mean, especially, I mean, you saw it in the first fight against Wilder where, you know, he won the round. I mean, he didn't win the round, which way scoring boxing was, but he won the hearts of fans. I don't think that form line is something you need to pay too much attention to, but I also do worry if Fury's going to come into these big fights that he might not have had the uh, opposition. Um, he fought Wallen quite like three or four fights ago. Um, he fought Wilder two fights ago. 
and it was over two years ago that Fury's since had a big fight. So there's going to be questions, sure, especially after that bit of a joke of a Nagano fight. But I think Fury's still there. And like I said, well, in, it's been a long time since that fight and this one, and obviously he's lost something. Um, but Fury's good to go, man. He's good to go. Does I've his next it, fight keep stick? Isn't he's it? Really the vision now. His next fight is Usyk, isn't it? Well, we hope so. We hope so. You know how these fights go. I mean, it's scheduled in for February, and then I heard another one saying it was March, but we've been waiting for this fight for a while now. And the promoters get involved. I mean, one criticism, the only criticism that I do have about Fury is his team, because they do realise he's the biggest draw, and they're taking as much as they can. I mean, I've seen him ask for 78% purses in some music articles. Yeah. And it's just not, that's quite a lot, I think. It's, yeah. he is the biggest draw, but I also think that Fury's trying to hold on to the belt for as long as he can. Because the thing is, though, when you're heavyweight champion of the world, you're heavyweight champion of the world, you're the king of everything. Once you lost that crown, then you're not nothing. You know, he's getting all these contracts to go and do WWE and like mess about with a couple of pro wrestlers for 10 million. That's just, you know, that's an easy month's work, isn't it? Yeah. You know, he gets this Nganu sparring match where they they paid him, God knows how much they paid him for that. Um, and he just sat there, he didn't take it seriously, danced around a bit, got flawed and got an easy decision that helps promote him towards the big card that the Saudis won. Yeah, because Bob Aram's behind him. So, you know, he's, he promoted uh, Muhammad Ali back in the day. So if there is a oh, showman that knows everyone, then it's Bob Aram. Yeah, well, it's not just Bob Aram. I mean, it's, Tyson's got his own negotiating team as well. He knows what he wants. He knows that he can kind of bounce it and mess it about. The he's got all the power, Fury. Not just literally speaking in terms of as a boxer, but just as holding the belt and being the king of the division. And he is the undisputed king of that division, even if he's not quite undisputed yet. Mm. Um, but Usyk Fury will happen, but whether it happens in February or March, which I'm doubtful from, I think we might get a nice summer fight. They'll probably get a tune-up fight between them, um, just to kind of make you really, really want to see it, I guess. But let's just hope they don't leave it too long. They're, it's a problem that they do have in boxing, is they do leave it too long sometimes. And one yeah. fighter dies off, and it's not quite the spectacle we were hoping for. But yeah. either way, fingers crossed it happens at some point in the new year, but I'm sure it will happen next year. Okay, regardless. Wilder, now, let's, let's, let's have a closer look at Wilder. He's 38 years old. He hadn't had any action for a while before last night's fight. And he was really, really poor. There was a, there was a poll in Riot magazine. There were 29, uh, you know, boxing aficionados that were asked to complete the poll. 28 of them said Wilder would win. And the editor of of, of Ring magazine uh, said that Parker would win. So it was 28 against one for Parker. Where does Wilder go from here? Well, I think Wilder really needs to ask questions about himself. Um, Malik Scott obviously hasn't been doing the job for him. He was the guy to have in his corner when he fought Fury. And Wilder, he always always going to end up being second best in that fight. But in the third fight in particular, I think he was a warrior. And he really, really went for it. But he's had his two years out of the ring. It might have just been a last payday for him. Maybe Wilder knows he's finished. But he can't fight like he did last night. That was an absolute joke. I couldn't believe it. 12 rounds of me screaming, fucking hit him. Just punch him. Go forward. Have a swing. 
Like I said, Parker had a really, really good fight last night, but Wilder was absolutely nowhere. This isn't the guy we've been watching. I mean, you saw the video that we put on the um, feed on the Snipers Club, where Wilder, like, those knockouts are brutal. He was swinging and he was trying to land them. He didn't even try to land these punches last night, and then he got to the 12th round, which was the only time he looked like he was trying to throw a punch. And it was just wildly missing and clearly a little bit knackered, maybe a bit shaken from that shaky moment he had before. I'd like to think that Wilder's still got him because he's one of my favourite boxers to watch because it can just happen at any moment with him. But he can't. we can't have last night again. That was an embarrassment. And he's really got to go to the drawing board or sit back, count his millions and retire. Because uh, if you look back... Part, I have a feeling it might be the latter, sadly. If you look back... Wilder can and does have poor fights. But what always happens is that he finds that absolutely brutal punch and KOs someone. So there is a form line for him to be potentially not the greatest boxer, but the greatest finisher. So had we looked at had we looked at it a little bit more closely, we might have been able to predict that's the one that's most likely to be an upset last night. I was no, I was shocked. I didn't think Parker was the guy for it. Um, Parker really, really, really stepped up last night. I mean, it was a huge banana skin, but it was reflected by the bookies odds and whatnot that Parker was a huge, huge underdog in that fight. I mean, Parker isn't absolutely amazing, but he's got a little bit of everything. He's got a good bit of power. He's got a good bit of skill. He's got a good bit of movement. He's got some heart and he's really willing to go. But last night, he really added a couple of points onto every single aspect of his fight last night. He fought the perfect fight. He made sure that he missed that straight right. I mean, every time that straight right came in, he ducked underneath it and threw an overhand right over the top. And he had a lot of luck with that as well. He concentrated for 12 full rounds. And that was a credit to Parker, I have to say. For sure. So I, there was some talk. I think Wilder himself said after the fight he was potentially considering retirement. Did you hear about that? No, I missed that, sadly. Uh, I was probably taking a five-minute break and whatnot, but I wasn't really interested in anything. I was a bit disgusted with Wilder, and I think I needed to take a moment, really, because yeah. I just thought he was dreadful last night. I couldn't believe he did not bother showing up. That wasn't Deontay. That's how I was expecting my AJ to fight last night, really. Um, that sort of timid, sort of not quite ready. There's a little bit broken, a little bit lost. It was... Like 12 rounds of just pure frustration from his all of his fans around the world. Just swing. If you're not going to swing, why are you in the sport, mate? Come on. If I was the promoter, I would have had Deontay Wilder as the main event. Okay? Do you think Eddie Hearn and Matchroom Sport knew that potentially Wilder was on his way out and that AJ had to be the main event? Oh, no. AJ is Eddie Hearn's main event. I mean, he's been sort of riding that cash cow for quite a while uh, with the way that when he was champion, I mean, look at the way all the fights were put together. It was all about Eddie Hearn being, this is my boy. I mean, AJ's been getting the cash from the start. He was, he's been given the red carpet that other fighters have had to earn and walk around. I mean, Fury was fighting unknowns way deep into his career when AJ was 10 careers in fighting Klitschko and whatnot. It's well, that might have been a little bit sooner than I'm talking about, but Eddie, like AJ, was always going to be top of that bill because he's Eddie Hearn's boy. So there we go on that one. Uh, Wilder, I think Wilder and Parker probably should have been the main event. That was a more interesting fight to me with yeah. two fighters who were perhaps a bit further up in the sort of standings and my personal reckoning. I thought 
it was a last chance saloon for AJ against a guy who was on the way up, whereas Parker and Wilder are names. But yeah. the reason AJ was top of that bill last night was because of Eddie Hearn and him, him being Eddie Hearn's boy. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm sure Eddie's very pleased with last night. I'm sure he's got, yes, I can squeeze a few extra quid out of this guy. Brilliant. Yeah. So I've got on my... Well, on the horizon, I could see AJ Hergovic being the next fight, and I've got Fury versus Usyk. Do you think that'll happen um, in March? I think, well, that Hergovic is the guy stepping into Wilder's shoes for that big card, although I wouldn't take anything away from Frank Sanchez either. He had a really, really good fight last night. I mean, let's talk about those two fights a little bit. Yeah. You had Hergovic versus Demori. Demori was the most abject performance of the night. He was even worse than Wilder. He went in and he got clipped with probably the first glancing, meaningful shot of the fight. Obviously, completely let go of his game plan and just started swinging wildly. And then he had his head over the ropes going, like, you know, really looking into the crowd to go, what am I doing? Someone please save me. I thought he would have done a lot better. I thought he would have done a lot better with that, if you get with me. But yeah, it's... Hergovic did really, really well. Uh, in getting out of, but he never really got out of first gear. Demori just really wasn't it. And then he had Sanchez was up against Junior Far, and that went a while. And Sanchez was absolutely clinical. He beat him up and he smashed him up. And then those straight rights that actually finished the job were absolutely fantastic. Okay. And how did Dubious Dubois do last night? Fantastically well. He found a heart. He went up against uh, Miller, who. Gave him a lot of trouble in the first few rounds, but didn't really um, get going past that. I mean, he came in at 333 pounds. I mean, 150 plus kilos. That's a wow. lot to cart around the ring. I mean, when he fought, when Dubois fought Joyce, who I thought him and Miller are very, very similar fighters, fighters that continuously come forward and really go for it. I thought that Dubois' heart would have completely collapsed underneath itself. But it, this time it didn't. He found a heart. He put in a really, really clinical performance. Uh, the final round was absolutely terrific. I mean, Dubois was winning that fight quite clearly on the cards, but he still went looking for that knockout. And he got that finish in the end. I mean, Miller didn't go down, though. I mean, Miller was just taking the shots, but he's a tough old boy. He's not to be flawed, Jarrell. But ultimately, Dubois came in with a lot of heart, and Jarrell Miller gassed out. Was he just walking into him? You said he's not going to stop coming forward. Did that actually happen, or was Dubois controlling the space? Did he not let him close? No, well, yes, he didn't let him close. Dubois was constantly running back and running back and running back. Miller just kept coming forward, kept coming forward like I thought he would. Never stopped, even when he was getting beaten, even when he was out of power, he just knew to keep walking forward and keep stalking. Dubois realized what the danger was. The tactics he fought last night were absolutely excellent. He was picking his shots nicely. He looked very, very slick. He was, that's by far Dubois' best performance, by far his best performance. And actually makes him look like a serious contender now. I think he needs to have another good couple of fights um, before he's ready to get into the big time. So I think AJ should be looking at, it's probably going to be Hergovic if it's going to be anyone. Possibly what, Sanchez. Was that your fight of the night last night? What would you have marked up as your best fight of the evening? The best performance last night was either Parker 
or Dubois. I would probably say Parker was the best fight because I think there was a re you know, he really, really identified a danger that could have happened. I mean, the thing, like, it was the concentration levels and the tactics that he employed. But Dubois looked very, very slick. Okay. Dangerous. Who could Dubois, Dubois fight next? Sorry, sorry, Snipes? Who could Dubois fight next? Who could be on the agenda? Well, whoever AJ doesn't fight, um, it could be so it could be Dubois versus Sanchez or it could be Dubois versus Parker. I mean, they, AJ might, they might even put AJ up against Parker as a rematch. I didn't think the first one was a particularly close match. I think AJ won that one. But they're both very, very different fighters now, much more evolved and much more capable. Okay. All right. And how did Opataya do last night? Oh, mate, knockout of the night. Knockout of the night. Like, it, went, it was a one-round show, but what an absolute beauty of a shot that was. Zorro was down on his back and out with his head up against the ropes, looking at Tweety Birds flying over his head. What an absolutely glorious shot. I'm quite looking forward to seeing more of Jay Apatire before that. I mean, he didn't really get a chance to show us his skills, but just in terms of raw power, boom, good night. What a fight that was. Excellent. I was really, really impressed with Jay Apatire last night. I mean, Ellis Zorro, he came in, we were joking about this on the previous podcast, maybe he's the biggest secret in boxing because I couldn't find much about him. He's not really well known. Frank Warren was promoting him, so you maybe think he had something to him, but no, apparently he wasn't. But maybe even if he was, I don't think anyone was standing up to that punch from Opatire last night. That was ruthless. I recommend you go and dig that one out on YouTube, guys. That was a great shot. Probably one of the best knockouts you'll see this year. Good stuff. So, anything else you want to cover from last night, or are you happy with everything? Well, there was a, a few. One I do want to uh, cover the Kabayel Makhmadov fight. Uh, Makhmadov came in as the clear favourite in that fight, and Kabayel came in. I mean, he looks like a real good boxer. There's a name you want to keep your eye out in the next few years for. Can you repeat his name? I had some names on his record, but that was one of the really good fights last night. That was a really solid finish. Finished after four or five rounds. No one was really paying attention to it, but that was a good boxing match. So Kabayel, from he's a German chap. Keep your eye out for him, he's great. And then there was also Dimitri Bivol versus Lyndon Arthur last night. Now, I know you didn't personally enjoy that one too much and you found it a bit of a snooze fest. But as, as lovers of the technical side of it, it was a very, very good performance. I mean, the only thing you can really say about Lyndon Arthur last night was that he took it and he was able to make it to the end. And there was about a dozen times in that fight where he looked like he was going to get finished but he managed to find a punch that looked like he was still in the fight so the referee couldn't give a box, uh, stop it. But Bivol's an absolutely classic boxer and that's another fight I'm looking forward to is when he goes up against Arta Betabeyev, who's going in a couple of weeks, I believe, is going up against Callum Smith. I don't, th I think that's going to be a short fight, but Bivol Betabeyev is one of the big fights of the year to look forward to on that one. And if you want to look at like a proper technical performance, just in terms of sheer slickness, Bivol was the guy last night for that one. Nice. Okay, great. So I think that pretty much draws a draws an end to the boxing pods for this year. I don't think we've got any other fights to cover before January the 1st. The turkey's in the oven. We're about to pour a glass of wine. And thank you very much. For, snort, I think. Th thank you very much for joining us, Night Watchman, and sharing your pearls of wisdom. 
Oh, absolutely my pleasure and a Merry Christmas to you, Snipes, and a Merry Christmas to all of the fans of the Snipers Club. We look forward to speaking to you again all in the new year. Merry Christmas, guys. You've been listening to the Snipers Club. Please like, share and help our channel grow.